Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott, alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, a little. Uh, I'm, I'm a little uh, tired. You know. <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot of curling. It's been a long week, for sure. And uh, more curling coming up. Scott, the Everest Club National Championship is right here in the nation's capital, starting right now as we speak. Wow, just won't yeah. quit. No, uh, things are happening. Uh, as we sit here, Nunavut, Northern Ontario is the feature game on the Curling Canada YouTube channel over at the Hunt Club here in Ottawa. So if you are not fully curled out, there's stuff to watch. Uh, more stuff coming up later this week, which we'll talk about later in the show. But of course, the 2021 Canadian Olympic curling trials kind of took everything over yesterday, Sunday, November the 25th or 28th, excuse me. That was really the the focus of the curling world. The Euros were done at that point. Uh, nothing else major was going on. There were, of course, spiels on, on the cash circuit, but really the eyes of the curling world were on Saskatoon. Scott, so were ours. And it was uh, quite a day indeed. Yeah, uh, I, the women's game seemed to be, I, w- I would characterize it as a game of misses rather than a game of makes, which, you know, goes along with the theme of the week, uh, if I'm taking away anything from the women's uh, event. The men's event was sort of the opposite, but still ended on a miss. So it, yeah. you know, it was great shot making throughout the whole game, and then one little mistake just did in team Jacobs. So uh, how do you want to talk about this? You want to go chronologically? Yeah, but I actually want to talk about what you said there first, because how do you feel about just in general, because there was some minor discussion of this. How do you feel about shots or games ending on misses, Uh, which we saw, of course, both yesterday? I think it's exponentially more fun when a game ends on a make. And whenever it's it's over on a miss independent of who wins I, I typically don't much care but it's just it's more fun when you see somebody make a great shot like the pat simmons broom throw mm-hmm. right that's way more fun gushu making the shot in saint john's uh cooey in 2017 that is more fun than when say rachel holman in 2018 i believe or 2019 misses against Chelsea Carey, right? Like that to me is just a, a more satisfying yeah. way to end the game. But what yeah, do you think? Yeah, yeah of course. I'm, I'm totally with you on that because you tune in to see these athletes performing at the highest level. And when it's a win because somebody missed a pretty straightforward shot, that's a real, real deflating. If it's mm-hmm. because they missed because they missed because I set up so well that it was, nearly impossible to make then that's a different thing yeah no question so uh so it was yeah kind of tough to watch it in that respect yesterday uh, at the end but yeah let's take it in chronological order the by far to me the more interesting game was on the women's side tracy flurry and jennifer jones jennifer jones of course wins in an extra end lots to talk about here scott where should we start uh, let's start right at the beginning, Sean. The, the in the first end, Tracy Flurry gives up a steal. Yes, to, to Jennifer Jones on a shot that was a curious choice. Yeah, you didn't like this, so we actually watched this game together. Yeah, in the moment, you did not like this call. No, I I I didn't think it was like playing to her strengths. I thought it was risky to to try and you know you're playing in your first final, get your one get your your sort of feet under you but giving up the steal the way they did making making that call just yeah it didn't sit right with me and you know we watched the Rachel Holman Chelsea Carey game in 2017 and you said Chelsea Carey needs to get two in the first end and I I thought Tracy Fleury needs to score or blank in the first end she can't like her first hammer she can't 
afford to give up a steal. And I guess I was right because it turned out to be the difference in the game at one point. That but wasn't the just, only that wasn't the only one point that was lost. No, no, of course not. Over the course not, of but, the afternoon. But you just think like I, I would if it was me, I would want to get okay, I get settled, I get my one, I've got a lead. I, I've been doing this all week, scoring. And it just sort of set the game off on a bad foot. Yeah. So so for anyone who doesn't remember, the situation was Jennifer Jones had one back four foot in about the five o'clock position. If you look at it from the overhead, Tracy Fleury had one in the top eight foot kind of above it. I think it might have actually been overburied the Jones one. And there was a corner guard up as well that that was covering everything. And Tracy Fleury decided to play a sort of a, a backline shot to try to move the Jones to try to score two. And you, yeah, Scott, you like the draw in the moment. I didn't mind it thinking, all right, you miss it. You're down one. Who cares? Also, and what ended up happening, if they had been off it a little sooner, cause she rubbed off of her own top eight foot, you get that top eight, but one a little thicker, you roll in to score. So there was, you know, a mm-hmm. pro side miss on that. Uh, she won a game earlier in the week on essentially the same shot in the ninth end to, to score three in one of her games. So I didn't really mind it in that position. You just, the, the benefit of getting the two there is so huge that I'm okay with that uh, risk reward math that Tracy Fleury does in that moment. I, th- I think, yeah, that that's probably what was going through their minds for me in a big game like that. I know you don't want to play differently than you've been playing the whole no, week, but you don't just seemed it's, it seemed to me an unnecessary risk. Get your one be happy with it yeah i mean the draw wasn't easy either though given what we saw the rest of the day well yeah okay but (laughs) tracy flurry if i think about what's what's she best at it's those draws yes she's a very good soft weight player but that was a soft weight shot so anyway we're not going to agree on it Uh, i think the next big flashpoint in the game is the third end jennifer jones is set up for three maybe even a four there's a mm-hmm. situation she's sitting three Chelsea Carey hits or excuse me Chelsea Carey uh, Tracy Fleury hits and rolls out and Jennifer Jones is lying to with her first one she has the hammer it's one one at this point she has a draw open draw to sit three and Tracy Fleury you heard them on the mic talking about potentially freezing there was one back four just on the center line and if Jennifer Jones makes it they're considering trying to freeze there to get out of the end in its entirety mm-hmm. Of course, if you miss, you're going to give Jennifer Jones potentially a shot for four, at least four. a shot for three. And Jennifer Jones puts it all the way through, pitches it into the hack. We've all been yeah. there, but it's one of those moments where you're looking at at least a three if you're Jones, barring a miraculous Tracy Fleury shot there. That that felt like the first, to me, the first big missed opportunity in the game. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You're, you're right. I think if she'd made it. Flurry was going to freeze. I, they weren't going to just be happy giving them three. And they got a real, real bailout uh, on that shot from Jones. So uh, you're right. Next big, big missed opportunity is this shot here. I think all week it, it's been a little bit faster drawing from the inside out. Right. And, and I think they knew that it was just, just an overthrow. Mm-hmm. And the sweepers knew that it was heavy. Like, yeah, just uh a little mental mistake yeah. in the moment there. Absolutely. So uh, then Tracy Flurry comes back with the two of her own in the fourth, blank the fifth, and then we have singles the rest of the way. Uh, Scott, well, any well, other? Well, Sean, yeah, yeah. The next, the next point is in that sixth end when Jones should have had two. Yep. She hit the the Flurry rock and rolled like just a fraction too far, and it was a measure. Yes. In the end, uh, that that was another like, oh, that should have been an easy two. And just just a little mental slip. And then, I mean, again, in the 10th end, right? Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about the one in the 6th first uh, before we get to the one in the 10th. Because I actually think the ninth end uh, is more interesting. And uh, so in the 6th, it's uh, it's a draw that they over either overswept or underswept. And it's kind of hard to tell because uh, it rubs off Jones. Uh, there's a bunch of junk uh, in the forefoot kind of in a straight line. Jones is sitting shot on the button and trying to draw in for the second points. And uh, it's a little heavy and it, it rubs off and goes too far into the forefoot. So if they sweep it less, it's going to hit the touch, the Jones stone that shot stronger might not get as big of a bump uh, off to the side. 
Whereas if they sweep it more and earlier, it might come down to the flurry stone that was at the back of the four. So kind mm-hmm. of in between on the line call on that spot. Yes, and it does measure and Jones misses out on another big point. These are the kind of mistakes that you, you're you not used to a team like Jennifer Jones making no. through, throughout her whole career. So those two big ones there, I, I still thought she was in control of the game, but also like it, it just felt like they could have put them away and that flurry would throughout the game, get feeling a little bit better about uh, the ice and the stones and getting a little more confident. And, and we saw them stick around, but like it, yeah, it just seemed to me like it was mistakes that was keeping the game so close. Yes, uh, definitely. That, that was the case. Uh, So then we get, uh, so the single and six single and seven, they blank eight. The ninth is a very interesting moment here. Uh, Caitlin Laws has a chance uh, so everything's kind of lined up and the angles are in Jones's favor with her stones frozen on some flurry stones. And, and there's a potential to on Caitlin Law's last to kind of just get rid of everything. Russ even said maybe there's a blank here, even though there were six rings or six rocks in the rings and mm-hmm. only uh, five left to come. But Laws misses hers. It turns into just a straight peel of a center guard and uh, flurry keeps bringing stuff in and on jennifer jones last one it's the classic discussion what do you want in the 10th end because she put the broom down initially she tapped for the draw and asked the other end and jocelyn peterman says let's pick it out and keep the hammer Mm -hmm. so that's something that we've seen it more on the men's side teams doing that than on the women's side a few teams will do it but not as much as we've seen on the men's side so that was i thought a curious choice jones of course makes the shot gives up the steal for one to, to keep the hammer coming home. Uh, but that was uh, something different that I, especially Jennifer Jones, who's so good at controlling the front of the house, so good with angles and rocks in play that I like being up one there, especially if I'm her. But what did you think of that decision? Well, that's something we talked about in the moment that, yeah, I'd always rather be up one. The winning percentage is, it's about 20% trying to steal if you're tied, right? Yep. So, you have a 20% chance to win uh, if you're trying to steal when you're tied. So to try and have to steal, like, so no, she's going to have the hammer. But the way that the game had been going, I, a two was not a given. No. And then I'm like, well, then you, you get your one and you're going to have to steal anyway in the 11th, right? So no. would I rather be the team that forces, that that's up one, try to force the opponent to one, and then have the hammer in the extra? I, I would all day. For sure. I agree with you. But uh, the, these teams don't feel that way, a lot of them. They, they'd rather have nope. that uh, that brick coming home. So that's the situation. Jennifer Jones has the hammer coming home. This end does not start particularly well for Jennifer Jones. The key shot, really, in the end, before the, the final shot of the end, Liz Fife misses a double peel on overlap corner guards. And that allows Jennifer Jones to play a hit and roll underneath and set up the two it's it's really you you know this isn't why they lost the game of course but Mm -hmm. this is a shot that if you look back at that end that liz fife is probably going to replay over and over again it's it's one of those shots that she's going to make 99 times out of 100 and unfortunately that was the one in the 10th end of the trials final and it's really created a, a very good opportunity for jennifer jones these are the kind of misses that you really hate to see. Uh, I guess we'll talk about a couple more later, but yeah. for a front end player whose job is to peel, like peels are relatively simple and she didn't just miss. She knows what yeah. she was trying to peel instead of making a double. So she left yeah. two guards there. Uh, and yeah, you're right. That's going to be one that's, that's going to haunt her for a while mm-hmm. in the end. I, you know, her team had a chance to, you know, make up for that mistake but hard to though but that's it's yeah it's so hard those kind of shots when you're just like ah i i was like ah so close and and just unable to unable to do it well tracy flurry in that moment right when it happened she flips the switch the next Mm -hmm. shot like jocelyn peterman makes a draw and so it's still flurry sitting one but but flurry tries to come in and play a freeze come around sit two and it's game on for her. She never goes back to trying to peel. She She's yeah. kind of all in at that point, uh, probably to force, given where the guards were. But she's mm-hmm. all in, and she's not messing around with the front uh, at, at any point after that shot. And those two guards are not touched at all. 
uh, for the rest of the end. And Tracy Fleury really did have to chase through the rest of the end. Yeah, you, you hate to be put in that position where, where you don't have hammer and you're and you're chasing around guards, right? Yeah. If you if you don't have hammer and you're the one putting the pressure on by going around guards, you feel a lot better than if you're the one chasing. So uh, so the end continues. Jocelyn Peterman Stone does not move uh, for the rest of the end. On Jennifer Jones' last, she goes back four foot to sit the two, and then Tracy Fleury with her last attempts the freeze. And for uh, Tracy Fleury, it is uh, an unfortunate situation as the rock uh, over curls uh, a little bit. And Jennifer Jones has what we thought in the moment was a relatively straightforward hit to win. Yeah, it's it, it was an outturn hit. And Sean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the that's the shot that's been plaguing her the last couple of years. Isn't that right? That's what they say, yeah, that her outturn has been less consistent than the intern, for sure. Yeah, and you were there. Our TV sort of froze in the moment, but <laughs> uh, and when it came back, the rock was halfway down the ice, and they were, like, Caitlin was screaming. Yeah. Screaming for the sweep. Uh, so I don't know, like, if she just got it started, if it was on the center line and started moving really early, uh, what was going on there, but definitely missed it the wrong way. You can imagine a situation where she'd hit it like high side right. and then bounce into her own and push her own shot rock that was already there a little further and too far out. You never imagine an overcurl hitting it low and rolling the shooter out. I went back and watched this today uh, and looked at it a few times. And it's hard given the, the TV, what they show and what they don't show. But I noticed when I looked at it back that it, it really appears to be the release. Jennifer Jones's release is very soft on that mm. hit in the tent. Uh, so by that, I mean, she's not getting a lot of rotation. The, the rock kind of just comes out of her hand uh, as opposed to any sort of positive rotation on the stone. So I looked, I went back and looked at the pick in the ninth, which was also an outturn. And mm-hmm. I watched both of them a few times. And from what, from what I can tell, the shot in the 10th had about a quarter rotation less than the shot in the ninth. And they're both they're both about the same weight. So I feel like yeah. that's a pretty good comparison. So the one in the ninth end got a full rotation and a half down the sheet from her hand. The one in the tenth about a rotation and a quarter. So that lack of rotation is going to add more because the stone is going to grab more on the ice. So it's going to pull it more in the direction of the curl. And I think that's what it was. It's not a dump for sure. I think it's just mm-hmm. a soft handle because uh, the weight was fine and they were on it right away. But it, it's that that little, just that little tiny thing, a quarter of a rotation on a curling stone, uh, in my estimation, is really what leads to that. And it's those tiny things in curling that can add up and, and are so important over the course of a game. And that's a small technical mistake that you don't necessarily expect from Jennifer Jones. But in a big moment like that, it happened. Unfortunate timing for her. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. what I think happened in, in my looking back at it uh, later, like afterwards, because uh, we were so shocked in the moment when we watched it. But with more sober eyes today, that's what I noticed on that shot. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Usually, what, what is it on draws? You want about three rotations the whole way down. So, yeah. So, some, some are going as much as I think now it's up to like four and a half at this point. Oh, yeah. They've been experimenting with that. Yeah. We talked about that with Jonathan and Ryan yesterday. Yeah or on Saturday, that's, that's a significant difference when you're throwing what well, she was probably throwing like a nine second hit, uh, yeah. for those nine and then nine and a half. Nine so and a half, yeah. yeah, that'll, that'll really add up. And if, if you're not crisp and positive with it, you know, there, there's a chance always, if you're positive on the center line though, it stays on one side and won't come back. So those are really tricky places to hit. Yeah. No um, question. Uh, but yeah, small technical mistake. Leads to that. And and so, Sean, at the time, mm-hmm. this is Tracy Flurry thought she had lost the game. Correct. Based on her reaction, yes, she thought she had lost. Her she, mother she, thought she had lost. Uh, yeah. Father lost, thought she had lost. Um, she was yeah. shocked that Jennifer Jones missed this. Did yeah. you think that they had any chance in the extra? Yeah, I did. I really did. And it's Jennifer Jones. She's pretty unflappable, but it's got to be harder for the team who missed. Because the team, the team who who had the miss against them, it's like it's like you were standing on the gallows, and the sheriff goes in. Not today. 
you know, yeah. <laughs> like, so it, it almost more of a sense of relief that I would, so that, that, that's how I felt going into it, that, you know, Jennifer Jones is still going to play a good end. Jennifer Jones and the team, they're, they're going to be able to put pressure on Tracy Fleury, but that relief I, I thought would just be palpable and, and more so you have the hammer coming home in, in a game. Mm-hmm. So you, you, I, I did think that they would be able to score this point. I, I understand like, and the hammer, like we talked about it, it's about an 80% chance of you winning yeah. that game. That said, they're, it, they looked to me to already be defeated and then to try and switch that gear again and get back into the mindset of, oh, no, we're still playing. I think that was tough for them to do. And obviously we saw in the 11th end what happened. But uh, I sort of thought, well, okay, Jones probably can still do this. Yes, and uh, she does. Uh, and I just want to say a quick, quick note to intern out turn on Jennifer Jones. For the week... Her intern hits at 83%, uh, excuse me, 81%, and outturn hits at 80%. Uh, so not that much of a difference this week. Uh, but yeah, that has been where there's been a disparity. There, there's a disparity in the hit and roll numbers for over the course of the week, a 12-point difference there, where the hmm. intern was much, much better, but a, a much smaller sample size. And she did pick Tracy Fleury's pocket in one of the ends, uh, one, of the, one of the blanks, maybe it was seven, with a beautiful hit and roll out to the wings uh, on an out yeah. turn. So yeah, it's there, there's a difference there for sure, but she definitely cleaned it up over the course of the week. So uh, the 11th end, Scott, this one, I thought it was pretty well played by both teams. If I'm being perfectly honest, I, I didn't see anything really shocking here. I, I thought it was pretty clean and uh, Tracy flaring the team did pretty much what you're supposed to do as did Jennifer Jones and her team. And it comes down to one shot. Yeah, and I, I think the the tick was not made by by McCush, so there was some chasing around the center guards right away. Yep. When the once the first tick was not made, so maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm pretty sure that that's what happened. So maybe the slight mistake there, but yeah, overall pretty well played. And just the the last shot was in a tough spot. And when you're playing to go to the Olympics and you have one shot, anything can happen. Yeah, like like we're going to talk about later with the men's side. So it, it was a hard shot and just didn't get quite out to the stick, it seemed. Uh, and it started curling really, really early. The sweepers weren't able to hold it. And Jennifer Jones, your Canadian rep at the 2022 Winter Olympics. Yeah, so a couple of things here. You do have a, a situation in the end where over the course of the peels and, and hitting back and forth, runbacks, uh, Selena Negevin makes a runback with her last one and uh but that does leave the center guard that's the ultimate score point uh so jones draws around on her first and tracy flurry attempts to run back because it's her own stone on her first one misses it and jones puts up a guard pretty much in the same spot i think the it was a little under curl uh, which is gave the opportunity to tracy flurry uh so tracy flurry tries very similar to shot to what she tried back in the first end uh with the other turn to get the stone. And Scott, again, I, I watched this back again today with sort of more sober eyes and not being as much in the moment on both of Tracy Fleury's shots. And I want to preface this by saying that Tracy Fleury is a, a thousand times better than I will ever be. But uh, on both of her shots in the in the 11th end, and Tracy Fleury is a very good technical player. She's made the switch to have her hips high in the hack as opposed to do mm-hmm. the rock back and forward, which I really like. The fewer moving parts you have, the more repeatable your delivery is. But on both of her shots in the 11th end, if you go look, she has a, a minor, a very minor fishtail where mm-hmm. she comes out and then her trail leg comes back to her right. So if you're watching on TV, back to the left, back to the center line, they're both interns. And she misses both of them on the inside, the two shots. And so that fishtail indicates a little bit that her hips were not totally square as she comes out of the hack. And that's obviously going to be detrimental to your chances to make the shot. But it's, again, a very small technical thing that I noticed when I, and I, I noticed it in the moment too, that I thought her back leg wasn't totally straight. And I it sort of confirmed when I watched it back today. And that's just, to me, the situation that you train so much to just have it embedded in you what you're supposed to do when you're in the hack. And then you have this moment here, this this huge moment, 
and this tiny little technical thing contributes to an overcurl twice that mm-hmm. loses you the chance. And she was so good all week because I, I want again, I went back and on this one, I actually went back to the 2019 Masters final because uh, I found a, a few interns there uh, in similar spots. Mm-hmm. And she's so good at keeping her shoulders square. Uh, and her hips square. And in, in these two shots, it just was a little bit off, you could tell. And uh, and she ends up over curling and crashes on the guard and, and loses the game. It's, it's really unfortunate that uh, that, that happens, but uh, that's just the way the game goes sometimes. Yeah, pressure of the moment, you know, uh, in, in a big spot there. This team is is really quite good. We'll see what happens with them in the next four years, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, we, they've got Tracy Carey sitting on the, or Tracy Carey, Chelsea <laughs> Carey sitting on the bench there. Yeah. Who knows what'll happen w- with that. So good experience for them all. I, I don't think we're done seeing these players uh, playing at the top level and, uh, you know, look, look out Scotty's with, uh, the Manitoba field a little smaller. Yes. Yeah, so one's one team fewer in the Manitoba field for the Scotty's, with actually two, actually, if you really think about it, because Kerry Anderson ain't going to be playing in that either. So mm-hmm. you have uh, two powerhouse teams who you'd normally see out of Manitoba Scotties who won't be there. So Tracy Fleury and her team are going to be the, I think, runaway favorites in that uh, in that event when it comes. So uh, congratulations to Jennifer Jones and her team. Very uh, excited for them. Uh, they were obviously uh, very pleased with the result, uh, Jennifer Jones, very emotional. She's saying after the game, uh, this was the first time, first big win for her since her father passed. And uh, she mm-hmm. felt that it was, uh, you know, she could talk to it. She felt that he was with her. Uh, some people on TV might've noticed that her right eye, what, she was having some, some difficulty with it over the course of the week. And she said that that was an issue her dad had throughout most of his life, that mm-hmm. uh, a watery right eye. And it, it popped up this week, so she felt that there was a connection there uh, that that he was with him, which I thought was was kind of cool. Uh, of course, it'll be it, it's ex- exciting. Uh, Caitlin Law's third straight Olympic appearance, two gold medals in the previous two Olympics, and Don McEwen makes her return as an Olympic gold medalist, and of course, the great Lisa Weigel going to back to back Olympic games this time with Jennifer Jones, and there were some very a polite yet coded language uh, in uh, some of the material that was coming out, uh, not from Lisa Weigel, but from uh, from people around uh, who are who are people who we know who are close with Lisa Weigel. You know, just saying things again, not not explicit things, but mm-hmm. y- you knew what it meant. Yep, yep. So uh, so there you go on the women's side. Uh, quick note, just about the playoffs: Carrie Anderson and Krista McCarvel. That game on Saturday afternoon was kind of weird back and forth. And and again, you want to talk about pressure of the moment, what happens. Uh, miscommunication on Kerry Anderson's last one in the 10th end of that tiebreaker game where they sweep it, rub off. They're, they're probably going to score the two uh, on the, a draw to win the mm-hmm. game in the 10th. Uh, just again, those those little things that are magnified in these moments that, yeah, if that's the third end on Tuesday morning, okay, that eh, happens. Uh, yeah. But it was the tenth end of a playoff game, and uh, it really magnifies the the little things that you need to do correctly all the time to be able to win at that level. Again, I don't mean that as a criticism; more as just an observation of the, how how important the little things are in these types of events. Yeah, like it's such a such a weird spot, you know, where it goes in between two rocks. I, either way, you know, a few inches either side would have been okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, real tough uh, communications on that one. Yes. Uh, so overall, on the women's side, you know, the, I think the two right teams were in the final based on what we saw over the course of the week. Uh, they were the two best, uh, and Tracy Fleury was the best, uh, certainly, for the course of the week. Uh, disappointing weeks, certainly, for Rachel Holman, going two and six, finishing at the bottom of the table. Uh, but uh, it was an exciting Friday with uh, a big win for Kelsey Rock over Carrie Anderson, gets us the tiebreakers with Scheidegger and McCarvel coming in. Uh, so overall, uh, you know, a, a fun week on the women's side, uh, some surprises there, but, uh, you know, how it all shook out in the final, those were the two teams based on the week who you probably won in that game. And uh, Jennifer Jones wins. So the already anointed greatest of all time in Canadian women's curling 
uh, gets another crack at the Olympics. Scott, the queen stays queen. Yes, that's true. And and not only the greatest in women's curling, probably in Canadian curling, period. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, she was. Or, or she is. She's, uh, she's really, really good. Yeah. Speaking of really, really good, Sean. Oh, we can't go to the men's game because it wasn't really, really good, was it? What? <laughs> the shot making was great. The shot making was pretty good. I'll admit, Scott, I... I, I watched it all, but I didn't watch it as closely as the women's game. I, I did not find this nearly as compelling as the women's game. But but what what is your take on it? Well, my take take was that the the shot making was just so 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 good, and the difference between the two teams wound up being uh, the marks at, at, yeah. at third. Yeah, you talked about it in the preview. That is Mark Nichols, the most important player in this field, and I said, well, maybe Mark Kennedy, <laughs> and. <laughs> You know, uh, that's sort of what it came down to in this event yeah. or this game last night. I think Nichols like consistently uh, not bailing the team out, but like forcing the Jacobs team to say, oh, OK, we can't get our deuce. We're going to blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was his rocks that really made the difference in each of those ends. Uh, yes, they were blanks, but they weren't boring blanks. I would say maybe one of them. Yeah, a couple of them were. But then, you know, uh, they start pushing uh, in that 8th, ninth, and and in that 10th end too. And, and it got really interesting. And the Gushu team was just putting the Rocks in better positions than the Jacobs team. The one exception would be like the one shot Mark Nichols missed all game Yeah, was his last in the 10th. Yep. That it, it set Jacobs up to score three. Like, yeah. They were in position hit, to crack a big net end there to win the game. Yeah, yeah, to win the game. And then I got a slight miss from Mark Kennedy. Uh, Gushu made a big hit and roll. Uh, the, you know, it was still on the table to win or to, to tie at least. Uh, and Brad Jacobs has been sort of money with this kind of weight all week. Mm-hmm. And he just. Uh, cranks it up a little bit the adrenaline's going i think that was a little bit heavier than he wanted to throw and it was outside and they yeah. tried to bring it back but couldn't so you could hear mark kennedy the whole time and on getting on ryan harden yeah. and like really dig like it was a big panic call and it was a hard shot for sure it was yeah like it wasn't it wasn't easy jacobs or excuse me gushu did everything he could to make it as hard a shot as possible and and it's one of those things too where when you when you talk about the gushu team or at least when i think about the gushu team the key for them is the rock positioning for sure like they're Mm -hmm. so good at making sure the rocks are in the right place and controlling the angles so well technically i I will note i i think brad was sliding higher higher yesterday uh than he was earlier in the week i'll have to go back and watch video of that uh but that is certainly a concern uh, moving forward because he has had hip issues in the past but uh, just something to keep an eye on uh, but mark nichols you know i said this on the preview he can win a game almost by himself like i think brad gushu is is so good and shoots so well because mark nichols is so good like, mm-hmm. the, he he it really is just uh, the most important third in the game i think he, he's he's really quite phenomenal and you're right the one missed there in 10 but but mark nichols was the one who took control of that at that game Jacobs was pushing and he he talked in the post game a little bit about how he was going for in the second half some easy twos. Uh, they, they wanted to push a little bit but don't push too much cuz mm-hmm. you give up a steal it really could swing the game uh, given how tight it was. Uh, so his push wasn't that strong in the second half and because of that Nichols was able to make those bailout shots and it, it wasn't often Gushu who had to make them in the second half of the game, it, it was Nichols who was making the key shots in order to get those blanks to ensure those blanks that Jacobs was, was pushing through in the second half. So th- I, th- I think when we look at that game or when I look at that game, it's another example of the 2019 Briar where Mark Nichols almost won it by himself. Not quite as much last night. Cause as everyone has said, Jeff Walker was phenomenal last mm-hmm. night uh, again with rock positioning, but it's, If if Mark Nichols does that for a week in Beijing, uh, you would expect this team to be in the gold medal game there too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about some of the top women's teams in the world watching that women's final and thinking, oh, okay, well, 
Yeah, I, I can beat them. Yeah. I, I, I know that uh, some of the men's teams are probably watching this thinking, oh boy, uh, these guys are going to be hard to beat. These yeah. guys are going to be a tough out uh, when it comes to the Olympic Games. Yeah. So just a difference in, in the shot making was yeah. what I noticed in this game. Brad Jacobs, even himself, was making some perfect like hit and rolls. And then Gushu would come and just so just tap it out. Like, yeah. and it just uh, these sort of incredible shots. And Cheryl Bernard talked a lot about Mark Kennedy's line calls last mm-hmm. night. I really did notice that, that he was really, really good at getting the sweepers on and calling the curl when it needed to be done. He, he was very, very precise with his line calling last night. So where where he wasn't succeeding as much as usual in his shot making he was trying to make up for it with his line calls and it was doing quite a good job the the yeah. whole game yeah no uh no question about that it uh yeah he, he was really on point and they were on point with their weight control too and this is yeah. something that at the rec level there's not much you can take from either of those games yesterday and say hey let's put this into the rec game uh but one one of them i think is that people do tend to very much overthrow on hits that uh, you know you don't need to put it through the boards just need to get it over the line uh, when, when yeah. you make a hit so yeah at most curling facilities a hack weight shot uh, might not get the rock out uh, certainly back line won't get it out at really any rec facility uh, but you know board weight you can throw you don't always have to throw the high hard one uh, on the mm-hmm. nose hit so uh, that that's a lesson that you know we <laughs> it comes up every year when there's a lot of curling on tv all of a sudden, at the rec level, more runbacks are being called, more doubles. You know, yeah. like, uh, hopefully, maybe more board weight shots get called now after that performance last night. Yeah, yeah. And last thing I'll say about this game, Team Jacobs was low on time. And they yes. called their final timeout during uh, Mark Kennedy's last, I think. Yeah, and they didn't need to. And they say it. Like, that's not me yeah. criticizing them. That's them saying it in the moment. Yeah, and they they said, okay, we're going to have to be quick with our last two, but that's yeah. that's a mismanagement of time where they really should have saved that for for Brad's last. He was he they had thirty three seconds yeah. left on the clock, mm-hmm. and you know thirty seconds is quite a lot, but when it's ticking down, you don't want to be in the position where you slide out with five seconds left, right? Like right. I think Kui is probably the only guy that can do that. Yeah. So that that. Uh, maybe that plays into him missing the last, uh, not feeling as comfortable with enough time in the hack to really focus. But uh, that that slight mistake may have cost them yeah. the Olympics. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, it was a, it was a game. It was very close, nip and tuck, very tense the whole way. Probably not surprising that it was low scoring. Uh, Gushu for the week gave up four point two points a game, and uh, as did. Uh, brad jacobs so neither team mm-hmm. was giving up a lot of points the only two teams in the field on the men's side that did not give up a three all week long so uh, just a, a very impressive effort for both sides and a combined scott over the course of the week including last night a combined three stolen ends against for these two teams uh, so they were the two best teams in the field this week no question yeah yeah incredible so uh, elsewhere on the men's side, a good week for Kevin Cooey goes through at six and two tough semifinal game in the fourth end. They just they had the rocks in the wrong spots. They, they missed, as Kevin said afterwards, three and a half shots and uh, Brad Jacobs makes the double. And then they go all in in the sixth end to try to force uh, the Jacobs team. Kevin got his one in the fifth and in the sixth end, they just go all in drawing around they're not hitting anything i like that strategy decision sixth end you're down three the other team has the hammer they haven't been giving up anything yeah okay you get blown out like so or the fifth end excuse me uh so what you get blown out who cares you you lose by one you lose by seven it's the exact same thing uh go for it really push the envelope there uh, and i'm totally okay with it and they just ended up with the the rock in the wrong spot on kevin's last one but i I saw some criticism there of oh maybe you should have played more conservatively in the fifth end like no go try to not win a, the game try to win the game yeah not, not against this jacobs team you no. can't you can't just sort of bide your time and, and even forcing them then be down four with half the game to go yeah. uh they're too good so yeah i agree with you uh just go for it go all in yeah giving uh, up giving up a two there is just as bad as giving up the four yeah so yeah. playing more conservatively especially you know around bj's first one like that's not going to get you anything at that point you're, you're all in you're pot committed mm-hmm. and i liked it and and you know you talked about 
Team Jacobs and and Gushu giving up three total steals amongst them. Yeah. Well, there you go. Like you're not going to steal your way back on this team either. No. You're going to uh, without trying something drastic. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, making a concerted effort to go for it. I'm I'm totally okay with that too. I told you I, I went out to get groceries on Saturday. Yeah. And I came back. Eight and the, the women's game was on and I was like, what the hell, what the hell happened? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I didn't get to see much of this because, uh, you know, it was over faster than I thought it would be, but, uh, the box score and, and the comments kind of tell the story. Yeah. So, uh, so that was that for the men's side. So Brad Gushu and his team are going to the Olympic game second time for Nichols and Gushu. They of course have those gold medals from Torino back in 2006. First time for, Jeff Walker and Brett Gallant. Uh, of course, the two side stories to go along with that that kind of make it cool. Of course, yesterday was Jeff Walker's birthday. We did talk about that on the preview mm-hmm. that uh, yesterday was Jeff Walker's birthday. Pretty good birthday present. And of course, Peterman and Gallant, uh, who are engaged, who get to now go to the Olympic Games together. Uh, last night in the post game, Brett said that they, when they talked about it before any events, like they, they said, if we ever go to the Olympics together, it would probably be together as the mixed doubles the mixed team. Doubles. But yeah. uh, nope, they're going to the same Olympic Games with their four-person teams. Uh, so kind of a cool story on that front. And uh, so congratulations to them. We'll have to see who Curling Canada picks as the fifth. With all due respect to Mr. Thomas there, uh, he will not be allowed to go. Maybe they can add him to like the, the envoy because, uh, uh, you know, he's been around mm-hmm. Brad Gushu for so long. Uh, Jules will get to go for sure. But I, I don't I, I hope that they can include him somehow because uh, he's not somebody who just came on for this week. Uh, he's been around so long, uh, but they will pick as the fifth player somebody else in, in conjunction with the team. So it'll be curious mm-hmm. to see who that choice is. Uh, but hopefully Thomas gets to go as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, elsewhere on the men's side was just a couple of things of note. Uh, th- this is another Brad victory. So as uh, Jonathan Havercroft from Rocks Across the Pond pointed out, the pattern in Canada for the men's Olympic skip continues to hold. 2002 <laughs> starts with Kevin, 2006 Brad, 2010 Kevin, 2014 a Brad, 2018 a Kevin, 2022 it's going to be a Brad again. So I look forward to all of the top level men's skips changing their name to Kevin over the next few weeks and the 2026 uh, trials final being between Kevin Botcher and Kevin Dunstone. Uh, that'll, be, that'll be a lot of fun on that side. Uh, tough week for the young guys in Botcher and Dunstone, uh, both mm-hmm. going three and five. Uh, t- tough week for them. Uh, really tough for Brady Muscawi, who was not able to play for personal reasons. And that really kind of threw off uh, the team early in the week. Colton Lott played well. Uh, you know, did the best he could, but that's a huge uh, hit to a team. Uh, I don't care who comes in at the last minute like that. Uh, that that would be very, very difficult to overcome. And Botcher's team never really quite got it going over the course of the week. Uh, and everything else kind of fell sort of to what we expected a little bit. Uh, but it, it was a fun week overall, I think, on both the men's and women's side. And now everybody can exhale a little bit. Because uh, f- other than Gushu and... Jennifer Jones, there's no Olympic pressure now for 18 months. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, the end of the road. Yeah. Uh, we saw a lot of, uh, you know, statements of, oh, this week didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. But congratulations to the winner. And, you know, we'll see a lot of those. And th- what's next to come once this season is over uh, will be, you know, the lineup shuffles. Yeah. Uh, so... Well, Scott, yeah. uh, Scott, one of those statements came from us. Uh, That's right. <laughs> that the tweet uh, that we put out, uh, Jonathan and Ryan won the bad beer bet with us. So I tweeted, obviously not the result we wanted, but we're proud of all the work and effort we put into the quad. We knew it was going to be tough and that whoever came on top, out on top would be a great representative. So congrats to Rocks Across the Pond. Just an honor to be competing with them. Uh, we mm-hmm. did lose the bad beer bet with those guys on the trial side the, we both had Gushu over Dunstone. Uh, so we did well in terms of the net on that by having Gushu win, but uh, we did really poorly on the Euros relegation side and promotion from the B side. But let's uh, focus on what did go well for us on the Europeans. Uh, Eve Muirhead appears to be in FU mode. 
She mm-hmm. runs through that field. She gets the big win over Anna Hasselberg very early on Saturday morning here, Eastern time. And then Bruce Mowat goes out a few hours later. And uh, after Scott jinxes, Nicholas Adine beats him. And uh, it's a sweep for the Scottish side out to there at the Euros in Lillehammer. So congratulations to those two teams. A couple of surprises uh, that the Swiss missed the playoffs in both the men's and the women's side. Uh, congratulations to Turkey. The women qualify for the first world championship in Turkish curling history. Uh, Daniela Jensch gets a medal for Germany. It's a great story there. Uh, Joel Returnaz on the men's side gets the bronze medal. Uh, huge for that team as they are looking ahead to 2026, assuming Joel Returnaz decides to go for another quad. But if not, the other three are younger and very, very good. Uh, so good mm-hmm. things coming for Italian curling, certainly on the men's side. And uh, well, Stefani did well on the women's side too. So so Italian curling looking on an upward slope here as we head to 2026, as that's what that federation has its eye on. Uh, but overall, a very interesting week out there in Lilyhammer. It was fun to watch here. I was happy that it was on TSN. Uh, our picks didn't do the greatest, Scott, but we got it right where it mattered. <laughs> Yeah, we, you know, uh, I, I was looking at mine. I, I did terribly on the Euros, <laughs> I think. I, I think I got one point on the women's side Oof. Uh, for picking Sweden to make the playoffs and uh, or to make the podium. Right. And like over on the men's side. Yeah, I, I would say Swiss curling really let me down this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was yeah. A, a tough go for the Swiss side. So uh uh, a couple other things. Russia, Sergey Glukov actually lost the final on the B mm-hmm. side. Uh, they still get to go to the world qualifier, but that was a bit of a surprise. And the bronze medalist from last year's world championship does have to go to the world qualifier, uh, assuming that that's who goes. I haven't seen the official announcement from Russia yet, but those guys have already qualified for the Olympics. So if they want right. to go to that, like, I, that, that'll be a curious or an interesting choice to see what uh, the Russian side decides to do for that world qualifier. Uh, Also out of this, the Olympic qualifier, the last chance Olympic qualifier kicks off on Saturday, mixed doubles first, and then the four team event. So a couple teams will be going straight from those euros into the last chance qualifier, including the champion, Eve Muirhead, who of course missed the playoffs at the world's last year. There's going to be a lot of good teams in those fields. We'll talk about that in the next episode but uh, a lot going on scott and uh, there's gonna be some very tired folks heading off to the last chance olympic qualifier yeah it doesn't stop sean doesn't stop and for a few provinces too like the 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 provincial process is going to be starting up uh the next month or so yeah uh, leading up to playdowns and eventually provincials yeah so uh lots of curling on the horizon Yes, still a lot going on. Teams uh, now, of course, too, will also in Canada be starting to look at the mixed doubles Olympic qualifier. That happens between Christmas and New Year's this time. We'll also have the Canada or the Continental Cup is coming up. There's one more slam, too, before the Olympics. So uh, a lot going on in the world of curling, and we will be along to talk about all the things as it continues to proceed here at the tail end of 2020. So Scott, any other big takeaways from the Canadian Olympic curling trials? Um, I think we got, we got the representatives that are are playing the best and and going to represent Canada uh, the best. I know we said that in 2017 too, and uh, no, no medals to show for it, but uh both of these teams being very experienced at the Olympics, I think will help. And uh, they're, they're both sort of legends, right? So I think, I think both of these teams, we won't see the same lineup configuration in the next four years. I, yeah, I think that's a very likely scenario. Uh, I do think though, that we'll see them next year. I, I think both of them take a victory lap would be my initial guess. But uh, that's uh, way too soon to be getting into all that kind of stuff. I am mildly surprised here that we haven't seen any lineup announcements today as we sit today. Here. Uh, but once provincials start to, uh, yeah, once provincials start to wrap up, then we will, uh, and I'm sure we'll start to get them 
as uh, as we get into the new year. But uh, that will do it for the Canadian Olympic Curling Trials 2021. It was a ride. It was a lot of fun. And uh, thanks to everybody who followed along with us on the live streams every day after the afternoon draws. They were a lot of fun. Thanks to all the folks who joined us on the stream as well. Megan, Steph, uh, Dean, Jonathan, Ryan. I think that's everybody who who came out. Uh, If I missed anyone, my apologies. But it was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody who watched. Uh, It was super fun to engage with y'all in the comments and uh, really very much enjoy that. If you missed the one we did on Saturday with Jonathan and Ryan, we are planning on December the 13th. Scott, mark your calendar. The bad beer bet will be, I don't know what's the right word, will be fulfilled, completed. Yeah, I paid out, cashed in. Cashed out. On December the 13th over on the Facebook page where we do the live streams. So do pay attention uh, or or do join us for that. That should be a good time when we see what Jonathan and Ryan have in store for us uh, as they have won the 2021 Bad Beer Bet. And of course, do just follow along on Twitter and Instagram as well. We'll put up the links to all that kind of fun stuff and any other interesting things we see from the world of curling. So you can follow along at game of stones pod or head on over to the website gameofstonespod.com all of the past episodes are there plus merch under the merch tab all the proceeds going to the sandra schmirler foundation and food banks canada we are matching those scott is the holiday season and uh, i wore my game of stones hoodie yesterday when we watched the game i still love those uh you know Mm -hmm. i've been wearing the game of stones toque very comfortable the thin slate keeping me warm uh, so, you know, maybe you need, you got a curling fan in your, in your life. Maybe could be a thing to give one of these items. Yeah. And, and Sean tomorrow, uh, also is giving Tuesday. Yeah. So, uh, if you're interested in donating, uh, a lot of places are, you know, matching or, or doubling your donations tomorrow. So, uh, pick that cause that's important to you and, uh, and go for it, make a donation. Absolutely. Very well said, Scott. Uh, Of course, if you have not yet, do please subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcast, do the likes, ratings, give us some comments. All that good stuff helps other people find the show and helps keep us growing. And if you want to let us know what you want to hear on the show, Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. Scott, we play in a couple hours trying to maintain a winning streak here. Do you think that all of the games we watched, I have not skipped uh, since the trials started. This will be, so I, I skipped a couple of weeks ago. We had a bye. Now I'm skipping again, having watched all these games. Are you concerned that I'm going to try to go all pro side TV shots here tonight? I think, uh, I think you might, Sean, and I'll, I'll be there to talk you out of it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hopefully I can make a, a couple nice ones tonight, but we'll have to see how it goes. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you again with a new episode very soon. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.